0: folks, Welcome to WP Tonic. This is episode 116. We've got a fantastic guest today, folks. I say it every time, but our guests are always fantastic. And we've got a specially energetic guest, Angie Meekers, joining us. And Angie's going to be talking about the, all about email marketing and how it should be done right. <laughs> That wasn't too bad an introduction, Angie, wasn't it? Would you like to kind of pan it out a bit more and tell the listeners um, a little bit more about yourself?
1: Sure. Thank you. Thanks for having me today. So um, so I'm Angie Meeker, like you said, and I have been um, working in the WordPress space for about 12 years now, and prior to that I used to be a pastor. um, And really just in the past year or so have begun to transition to really... Um, helping businesses with their, more with their content and their, and even more specifically with their email marketing, to help um, drive their revenue, uh, rather than simply just building websites. Because what I found was people would they'd say I need a website when really, that that was just kind of a symptom of what they really needed, <laughs> and and so uh and and I don't and so that's how I kind of got where I am. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I I wish I could say that. Um, uh, John, my (laughs) beloved co-host, would like to introduce yourself? He's gone Kojak, folks, as well.
2: Sure thing. My name is John Locke, and I run a small WordPress consultancy here in Sacramento called Lockdown Design.
0: Have you just decided to disguise yourself, John, or was it just an impulse? Uh, It was
2: just an impulse. I'm not... uh hiding
0: from the law or anything like that so i just thought i was right angie um so let's start off with email marketing so the good the bad and the ugly where do you think people initially to start this in conversation off angie where do you think people's go down start to go down the wrong path
1: you know i think what and I and and I tell customers and and folks this all the time is that I feel like people they don't really start with their customers' goals in mind. They start with, they start with what do I need to sell or what's my pitch? What do I need people to do? And instead, they need to start with what does my what's my customer's goal in not in life? That sounds kind of cheesy even though in some ways that's true, finding out like what is it that my customer is really trying to accomplish and how can I help them meet those goals and when you begin to really help your customers understand that number one, you, you understand them and you understand their problems and you understand how to solve those problems then then you can start really planning some email marketing strategies that work but most people they just you know they throw a form up on their site and they'll they'll email to their list when when they have a sale going on and that's it yeah that's the end of it
0: that's a great point angie i did you know god did give us two ears and one mouth for a reason (laughs) right Uh, exactly right and um What I mean by that, folks, is that you should really listen to the wants and needs of your client base and then give them information that they would find useful, appealing, and they might keep on receiving your email. Um, But it's the volume. How do you... I, I do kind of clean every, like, four or five months. But it's just the volume of email, and I think people think, well, I should just not bother with this anymore. But the yeah. but the facts don't seem to support it. Can you give us any they insights? They don't. They about, really don't. Give us some insights <laughs> about what still supports email as a pretty effective platform of communication.
1: Yeah. I think, I think the challenge is that I think most people who attempt email marketing they either they do it way too much or they don't do it enough and so they never they never really experience the sweet spot where customers are really engaging with your content because they're not expecting you send too, too few too little too little and so they're not expecting you they don't you don't stay on top of their mind and so you're not doing this thing where you're building this relationship with them or you you just send too many times in which case they just get annoyed with you but that's that number between too little and too much it it's somewhere between 4 and 16 times a month and most people wouldn't think that most people would think well too much is definitely Going to be like maybe four times a month. When really, if you're not staying in touch more than that, you're falling you're falling out of their um, radar. Really, off their radar, <clears throat> and you'll see that reflected in your open rates and your click through rates. If you're not keeping in touch often enough, um, because you don't become important to them, it doesn't. Be, you don't become valuable to them if you're not sending enough.
0: That's fascinating Angie really, because I do try and send one really quality email which John also receives, hopefully he thinks it's reasonable and uh, um, but I only do it once a month so number one suggestion is you know think about maybe sending out more regularly Tip one.
1: yeah even if it's even if what you send is not as full as what you might send once a month, breaking it up into four times a month would be you would end up with something more valuable to your readers than if you just waited and sent it all at once.
0: So shall we go on to Google and how they've you know, and the marketing folder and how they're kind of you see a lot of hardcore marketers they've really got rid of all kind of apart from maybe one image They've really gone back to really very plain text messaging to try and avoid the the dreaded marketing folder in Google Gmail. Can you maybe explain a bit of the how email marketing is changing? Your views about all this, Angie?
1: So I think what I think you're right. I think you do see a lot of marketers moving just to the simple plain text emails for that reason. But I think you. I also see the really effective email marketers not giving up on the image based um emails and instead just plain educating their people about how to you know go over to the promotions tab and drag it and drag it in the inbox so that um to so that they still they still get to view it that way It's like they don't want to give up that the powerful medium that is images just uh because it takes a little more work to educate people on how to. How to go into the promotions tab and grab it, and so you see people on their, uh, on their thank you pages and their confirmation pages, and even a follow up email saying, you know, little. You see, I think the best ones to me, the the uh, best converting ones I've seen to me actually have little gifts where you see the mouse go over to the promotions tab and drag it over to where it needs to be, and that sort of thing. So, um, but it is, it's you know, it's changing quickly. I know even recently, um, I know Mailchimp and several other. Weber I know has done it and I think constant contact too if you're sending from a Gmail address if your email marketing is sending from a excuse me a Gmail address they're not letting it go through They're they are um, requiring basically that you have a, a top-level domain in your email address and a verified top-level domain and that you're sending from that and again that's really just branding and, and to combat spam all of that together so uh, I guess that's my I don't like I said, the the effective email marketers I see, they're not giving it up. They're not going to say so quickly, just we're only going to send plain text emails. Instead, they're, they're working on um, educating people on how to continue grabbing their emails out of promotions.
0: Yeah, I think that's great information. Now, Angie, let's get to the meat of this. You know, um, getting people to sign up, you know, you got any insights because i'm trying on the wp tonic and, and me and john are going to revamp things uh um it's pretty hard to get these people to sign up for the great email that i will send to them and the knowledge yeah. that i'm gonna give them for free angie but they just don't seem to be interested at the present moment Got any tips insights knowledge yeah
1: you know and i think it in a lot of ways, it it continues to just come back to starting with your customer's goals in mind. And for the for the longest time, you could just throw up an opt-in that said, you know, subscribe for the latest news and tips, and and people would subscribe to that. But it seems like that is it it can still be really effective. But the more specific you can get with the offer that you're giving people, the the better off you'll be. So, for example, if you guys are doing a, um, a podcast with a guest who a guest who's going to talk all about SEO, then pr- even prior to the podcast, offering, hey, subscribe, um, subscribe, like on the post for that week's podcast uh, that's going to be about SEO, subscribe and we'll send you an SEO checklist. The more specific you can make your offers for. For the type of content that your reader is reading, the better your conversion rates will be. And so, and really great examples of this. And I do where I do work with OptinMonster, Monster, so I'm not. Uh, I just have to say that ahead of time. But the the examples on the OptinMonster.com blog, whether you're a fan of pop-ups or light boxes and that sort of thing or not. The examples of how you can increase your subscribers by offering what they call content upgrades. Lead pages calls them I think lead boxes or lead links or something like that. Um, that what i'm seeing right now is that's where the sweet that's the sweet spot right now in email marketing the companies who are taking advantage who are really drilling down to the piece of content that their customers are reading and offering a content based or offering value based subscription in that post specific to that piece of content that's the people who we're, we're seeing their conversion rates go 450 550 1600% increases Wow. When they're so, offering that specific content, and you have to do it often. I mean, you can't. We see, you know, uh, like we'll have people say, "How can we increase our conversions?" And I look, and they have one opt-in on their whole site. It's like over in their sidebar, and that's it. And I'm like, "Well, let's let's get you up to seven, and then we'll talk." So, you need one here, maybe a slide in at the bottom, one of those floating bars at the top, an exit opt-in, a full screen when they first come. You know, seven most people, this is a sales cycle. Most people have to be offered something seven times before they're educated enough and before that offer is top of mind enough for them to make a decision. So, if you're offering one opt-in over in the sidebar, it's not it's just not gonna happen. Like it's not it's psychology. It's not gonna happen. They're not gonna subscribe when it's just one little offer.
0: I'm sad, Angie. You've made me feel Don't sad. Don't
1: be, because that means... Uh, um, a lot of so, um,
0: that's my weekend filled um, <laughs> uh, pop-up boxes everywhere. It's going to be like a, a tank trap, folks. Uh, um, so, that's my weekend gone.
1: Um so so you well know, the good thing is if you do it right it doesn 't have to it doesn 't have to feel like the visitor came to your site, and there were fifteen pop ups as soon as they hit your site. Oh, if I'm you do it right within oh, the content you like i don 't even care
0: <laughs> 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 that 's great um, We tend to think you know it 's like a bad craftsman with the best tools, but do you actually think? You know, it won't, you know, you've got to have some strategy and the things that we've just discussed, but having something like Optin Monster or Convert Kit or Fry Freams, um, something that's designed to put it, you know, your, your conversions on a little bit of steroid. Do you think it really helps to invest a little bit of money in a tool like that? Yeah,
1: I do. And, you know, I. So years ago, this is probably six six or, I don't know, maybe even ten years ago at this point, back when pop-up domination was new to WordPress. Do you, do you, do you guys remember that a long time oh, ago? I so I, I installed that on one of my own sites and I saw, years ago, this was before these other services even existed, I saw my own subscriptions increase 1600% in a month because of this one little pop-up. And I was like, that is nuts, people. I thought people hated pop-ups. Why are they, you know, and I just thought from that point on, I thought, you know what, in in the WordPress space and, and with developers, we hate pop-ups. So we think everyone else hates them, but the numbers just don't prove that out, and especially with the way that, each one of those services you mentioned are able to offer pop-ups now. They can do it with, you know, you clicking on a link or an image within the content, and that's what's o- that's what opens up the, the offer. So you're not seeing these pop-ups all over the site, though. Certainly, you should have those too. <laughs> but the real power is when the offer is right in the middle of the content.
0: Just to kind of finish off before we go for our break, Angie, it's a bit like um – the advice um, that OptiMonster gives, you know, you get a lot of sites where as soon as you enter the homepage, the pop-up appears, and I I did that for a while, but at least now, it actually comes up, the pop-up. It doesn't convert, Angie, that's why my whole weekend's going to be taken up <laughs> with this. Um, but um, at least it pops up when you leave in the page, it just doesn't pop up when you as soon see as it, because that really doesn't work, does it, Angie?
1: Well, not when it first, I mean, it's true. The, the average person, if you if you set a pop-up as soon as they get to your site, they're just going to click out of it because they came there for a reason. They have something they were intending to do, so get out of their way and let them do it. Um, but those exit pop-ups, um, they work, and they work really well. They They should work. Uh, if your if your copy is written well, if the offer is good, they should work really well, and that's that's true. I would say across platforms, like that's not specific to Optin Monster, but um, a lot of uh, other services, you can see the same thing bearing out in their case studies. Um, oh, dang! I had something I wanted to tell you, and I forgot what it was. Maybe I'll remember on the
0: break. But there we go. We're going to go for our first break, folks. But before we go there, remember, folks, WP Tonic, we're a maintenance company, and we sort out all this stuff for you. We do the maintenance. We um, do small fixes. We've got unlimited packages for 69 bucks a month. Not exactly going to break the bank, folks. And you get the delightful... um, services of myself and my humor so keep that in one mind so we're gonna go for our first break folks and um john's gonna take over and we're gonna delve deeper into the world of email marketing be back in a second folks
2: buying or selling a home in the greater reno tahoe area i know the best crs real estate broker and that's karen conrad and you can find her at karenconrad.com or call directly at 775-527-7021
0: we're coming back, folks. My beloved co-host is going to take over for a while. Off you go, John. Thanks, Jonathan. So, Angie, I want to
2: come back to something you said previously. When you were talking about hitting the sweet spot with how often you're sending email, because I encountered that myself. If uh, a email list that I'm on, if they haven't emailed me for like six months and suddenly, I get an email from them. I'm like, I don't even remember subscribing to this. I'm going to unsubscribe.
1: That's right.
2: Uh, and if you bombard people like every day, uh, that can get old, too. How do businesses find that sweet spot? And why is that important as far as building a relationship?
1: Yeah. Uh, really, they just have to try it. <laughs> there's, no way, there's no way to know really before you start out. I mean, you can look at industry averages for your particular industry and see what are the average number other marketers are sending, and your email marketing platform typically can help you get some of that information, get some of those stats, but really you just you just have to try it. you have to try start with four a month and go from there and try going up from there and when your open rates um, and your click through rates really start decreasing, it can mean one of two things you know and uh, either that 's too much or you're finally sending enough information that you're beginning to weed out the people who are not interested in buying. So your open rates and your click-through rates decreasing, it's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, your email marketing, obviously it has to be connected to whatever your end conversion, your end goal was. And so what you should see, you should see with any sort of sales funnel, and your email marketing obviously feeds into that, you should see those open rates and click-through rates decreasing a bit as you... um, are moving that person through your sales funnel but at the same time that that's decreasing you should begin to see your sales increasing because the people who are sticking around as you send more should be converting but again you, without testing you don't really, you don't know. You can't, I mean that's the thing I think a lot of businesses they're afraid to just try. They think, I'm going to screw it up. If I start with four, I'm going to screw it up. And if I go up to five, the world's going to end. And it's not going to end. Like, you might lose some subscribers along the way, but you have to do it. You have to go through that process to figure out what works and what doesn't work.
2: No, absolutely. I agree with you that, uh, you know, the people that do stick around, you know, you're going to convert a certain number of them. Not all of them, but you're going to convert some of them into paying customers. So, you know we all work with you know smaller businesses um and one of the things that you probably run into is a lot of these businesses they feel it's a challenge for you to get them to embrace tools like email marketing social media anything like that that that's new how do you get businesses to overcome that inertia when it comes to learning you know new tools for online marketing and email marketing
1: so that's a really good question, isn't it? I think that um I think two things. I think there are a lot of businesses that they they think they want to learn to do it themselves when really they don't need to be doing it themselves. They really they need to understand that they need a they need a partner to come along and do those technical things for them, because that's not their business. It's not their primary business. They sell shoes and they need to be about selling or making shoes. They don't need to be spending hours a week trying to figure out how to learn how to set up an autoresponder campaign. And I think, I think there are a lot of businesses that are kind of on that edge where the owner or maybe a small team of people are transitioning to maybe I can trust a partner in email marketing Um, maybe I want to continue to do it myself and really helping them understand that passing that work off to someone else who knows it better than they do will increase revenue for them in the long run but that that's a trust thing and that's kind of hard for businesses I think uh, it's hard for business owners a lot of times who are used to just doing everything themselves Um, as far as how do you get them to see the re- the value in it? I think that case studies are probably the best the best thing that you can do to help them you, you, again, going back to various types of options and things on your site it's one thing to tell to tell a business you should be email marketing and you should be doing x, y, and z with email marketing, but to show them this business that is in a similar niche to you. Did these things and increased their subscribers, which increased their sales. You know, it's 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 proof people are looking for. Excuse me, um, proof and 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 being able to see a clear path to how that's going to impact their bottom line. If you just tell them, you know, I think people do this a lot with social media. They they just say business business, you need to be doing it. <laughs> you have to be on all the socials, and without showing them a clear path to how that's going to increase their revenue, businesses are they think. It's, it's uh, snake oil, and I think email marketing can be the same way. But it's it's easier to prove email marketing, I think, than it is to prove social in a lot of ways.
2: No, I totally agree with that too. I I, I think that email marketing, uh, there's a reason why it's it's still around. Yeah, um, it it is a lot. Easier to show the correlation be- between email marketing and sales, and I think it's a little more unquantifiable with social media in both things you're trying to like establish a relationship with the customer to where they're familiar with you um, so you know it's interesting that you said with case studies is is the best way to get people to try like these new tools because I did look at your site and and I noticed some of the case studies that, that you were talking about and one of the things that you were talking about is uh, people, businesses developing their own voice, and how um, you know in, in in some cases people try and be something that they're not because they see other people being successful with it. Right. Um, how can people discover like what their voice should be when they're sending out emails or any type of marketing?
1: Mm-hmm. So we um, we have a quick process that we run through with clients where where we ask. Um, we ask them like, what? Uh, I'm, i I want to tell you the process without giving it all away. <laughs> well, just, yeah, just don't don't give me the in secret general, sauce. A, just yeah, I know. So in general, we we have a process that we work through where we where, where we ask people, you know, who who describe to us who you say you are um what, what's the what's the tone that you speak to each other within your company with what's the tone that you speak to your customers with? How do you want your customers to feel when they've interacted with you and you know it's interesting i know one of those case studies that we mentioned on the site is with a law firm and they wanted to be like the law firm that was all up in your face like we're gonna we're gonna grind your the plaintiff or i don't know what the words are now the i guess the plaintiff into the ground because they were different Defense attorney. So, um, but when we talked to them, they didn't. That didn't match who they said they wanted to be at all. They wanted to be like, um, like the loving uncle who kind of came along the defendant and said everything's going to be okay and and that sort of thing. And it wasn't until we really began to ask them, "Who do you want to be? How do you want people to feel when they've interacted with you?" that that even began to come out, and we said, "You can't be that in-your-face law firm because it's not who you are. You can pretend to be that, but it's not going to work. Your marketing is going to fall flat because that's not who you say you are." So, I think um, I think those are for us. Those are powerful questions to ask. Who do who do other people say you are? Um, what tone do you communicate internally? How do you what tone do you communicate to your to your customers, and how do you want people to feel once they've interacted with you? Um, and and when you begin to look at those, then you can begin to really craft what's the tone that you're going to talk with, what's the tone you're going to speak with in your emails.
2: No, and I, 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 I totally get that, that it's, you know, when you understand better, like, who you are as a business, it's easier for you to put out that voice um, you know, the authentic voice that, that you should be uh, representing instead of like what you think you should be representing. And how how important is it for businesses to feel confident in what their unique offering is and how they're expressing that, you know, to the world?
1: Well, I mean, it, how important is it for them to feel confident in it? I I mean, it's in many ways everything, uh, because if they're if they're not, um, you know, here's what I think happens is when they don't when you don't really own who you are and how you are gonna interact with your people, your I hate to say your tribe, but your people, you know, I always say your people, how you're gonna interact with your people when you don't really inter- when you don't own it, it just it just comes out like you're just trying another thing like you're just trying to make like you think you should be doing this email marketing thing and so you're just gonna try it and there's no real personality in it there's nothing to really reach out and grab people and it doesn't you don't have I mean you don't have to be the um, like showstopper in order to do that like if you're if you're a nerdy shoe cobbler and you get really geeked out about being a shoe cobbler do it. I mean, own that. Be that nerdy shoe cobbler and, and be willing to really go deep down into that hole <laughs> as as you communicate with, with your people. You know, don't try to fancy it up if, if, mm-hmm. if that's not who you are, you know. I, so that's, I guess, what I have to say about that.
2: <laughs> no, that, make, that makes total sense. Um, so, I'm going to switch it up. This is something we always ask um, our spotlight guests uh You know, we always ask them, what are your favorite motivation and business books? And three of the books that you mentioned were 10X Mm -hmm. by Grant Cardone, The Closer's Survival Guide, also by Grant Cardone, and Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. So Mm -hmm. tell me a little bit about each of those.
1: So the Okay, so the ten x rule. We first, I, I first kind of came across this book probably two and a half years ago in my mass, in my mastermind with Curtis McHale and yeah. some other folks, <laughs> and um, and and they mentioned it. Curtis mentioned it at the time he was reading it, and um, and and I wish I would have paid more attention to it at the time, because it, there, there are some really important truths in that book that I think the majority, and I really mean the majority, of. Folks in the WordPress space totally miss, and and it's, and so a few weeks ago at work at Northeast uh, Ohio, the WordCamp Camp up there, mm-hmm. I I talked about this a little bit. I said, you know what we aim for, we talk about in the WordPress space, that, like if we can make it to six figures as freelancers, we are sailing you know we that's that's smooth sailing from there but really when you think about taxes and insurance and social security and retirement and business profits that money's gone it's not gone i mean there's still money left but this it's not anything you're going to like get rich on or even and, and i don't mean to say rich but you're not going to grow wealthy from it and you're not going to have money to grow your business with if what you're planning for is 100 so it's like you look at that you look at the principles in the 10x book which are not this isn't specific it's not. I'm sorry. It's not limited only to money, but that's what I'm talking about right now. <laughs> so if you look, but thinking about the 10x stuff, if you plan for a hundred, if you're trying to hit a hundred, first of all, maybe you hit a hundred. In the maybe you hit a hundred in the first place. That's like hitting all of your goals the entire year. So you're just you're down back to basically the same salary that you would make if you worked. A job for someone else, but if you plan for three hundred thousand, or four hundred, or five, or even a million, the processes and systems that you have to put in place to get to that look very different than what you have to put in place to get to a hundred. And if you fail trying to get to a million, you're in a much better place, aren't you? Than if you fail trying to get to a hundred, you'll you'll have more to work with along the way. And, and surely, and I've seen this true in my own life, when you aim for something much bigger than you think you can get, you end up further along than where you thought you could get in the first place. And, and so those principles, it just, I, you know, it's like, even, even when I was in the mastermind with this group and thinking, wow, I'm doing really great. I look back on it now and I think, what was I doing? (laughs) Like I was just playing, I was just playing, even though. Even though looking back, I still come out ahead of most uh, f- freelancers in the WordPress space, and certainly mm-hmm. most women. I still come out ahead. And still, I look back and I go, "Gosh, it was it was never going to be very successful with what I was planning because it wasn't big enough." So that was the 10x rule, <laughs> um, and the uh, closers survival guide is like it in that. I, th- um, I just think we never I think the majority of folks in our space never really learn how to sell we never really learn how to move a customer from totally being unaware of us to mm-hmm. um, being really ready to understand the value that we're offering and how that's going to impact their business and the Closer Survival Guide just it lays out it goes through every objection <laughs> that someone could give to Um, working with you and gives you, helps you understand the psychology of what they're really saying when they say that. Like for example, and I'm sure many of us have heard people say these two things. Someone might say, after you tell them your price, well that's expensive. Yeah, it it is. (laughs) Yeah, that is expensive. And a lot of times what we hear when someone says that's expensive is we immediately come back with, Okay, let me discount my rate for you. When you don't have to do that, like it's not that's not something that has to be overcome. It's just a statement. It's just a fact. That's expensive. Yes, it is. Things that are valuable are expensive. Move on. You know, you can move you can agree and move on. Yes, it's expensive and move on. Or like when if you're talking to someone and they say, Well, okay, I need to go and talk to my business partner, or I need to go talk to my husband and wife it's not really that they need to go talk to them because they wouldn't be talking to you if they didn't probably have the authority to make that decision themselves. Um, More likely what they're saying is, I don't yet trust you and I need to find a way out of this conversation so I can go and tell someone else how I'm not ready to make this decision yet. So instead of just saying, okay, well, talk to them and give me a call back tomorrow... You can just say, well, you know, I, I'm sure your husband and wife trust you to make business decisions, or you wouldn't have gotten where you are, you know, and and so beginning to really sort of call out those objections. I don't know. It was, it was just, it's been really powerful for me to uh, listen. Well, I've been listening to audiobook, but I also have it on print. So when I say listen, it's an audiobook. Sure. Um, to, to listen to that. That's
0: great points, Angie. Um, we're going to wrap up the audio part of this, but hopefully, Angie will agree to spend another ten minutes, which you'll be able to watch on our YouTube channel, folks, and please subscribe or go to the WP Tonic website, where there'll be extensive notes, links to all the things that we've discussed in this fascinating interview. Um, just to finish, folks, um, just a little bit of business. Um, please go to iTunes and subscribe to the show. It really helps. And if you're really pumped up of all the fascinating information you've heard from angie go and subscribe as well um and write a really interesting micro email to us in your subscription the more funnier it is i might even mention it on the show folks you never know do you so angie how can um before we go on to the last 10 minutes which we record on video how can people get hold of you if they're just listening to the podcast
1: yeah, so you can email me at Angie at com. You can find my website at MyNameIsAngie.com, and I'm Angie Meeker on Twitter and pretty much everywhere else also.
0: Now, John Locke, Mr. Kojak, how can people <laughs> get hold of you, John?
2: Uh, well, you can find me at my site, which is LockdownDesign.com, and you could follow me on Twitter, Lockdown underscore Jonathan how do people get a hold of you?
0: Well, they, they um, use my Twitter. T- um, we've actually started a WP Twitter, Twitter, which John is managing and I've been hopeless that, or you can go to mine at Jonathan Denwood. And, uh, I do respond. Um, I'll be even hardcore marketers have been astounded by the quickness of my response, uh, or they can go to the website and, um, we'll be posting a lot more content over the next, over the coming months all about marketing, online marketing and WordPress folks so we're ending this great discussion but we're continuing for another 10 minutes afterwards so do go to YouTube channel, go to the website and you'll find even more insightful information about email marketing from Angie see you later folks <laughs>